God designed us to be learners. However, much of our learning and discipleship today regarding the church, current affairs, and theology has been reduced to pithy sayings and viral tweets. Just Say It seeks to help Christians go deeper on church, theology, scripture, and current issues in our world. I'm Chase Davis. And I'm Matt Patrick. And join us and other guests for a monthly conversation on the topics that are impacting Christians in the church here in Colorado. You can expect candid conversations on the topics ranging from church attendance during ski season to Spurgeon's view of the atonement. Well, Matt, one of the things I wanted to talk about on this podcast was the topic of church attendance. And I wanted to start it with... Don't do it. (laughs) with With an illustration. And here's why. Because it has been one of the biggest sources of pastoral, I'll put it as either pain or consternation or frustration, the idea of having to convince Christians that they should come to church. Um, Some of the biggest challenges in my ministry, our ministry has been like, when we suggest you should be a member of a local church. I'll never forget, I met with a guy at Ozo here in Boulder and he just let me have it after I sent out an email on the wall (laughs) online saying you should be a member of a local church. That's all I said. And man, he did not like that at all. Your spiciest take ever on Twitter. Spiciest take, that's it. <laughs> and so uh, so that's what we want to talk about is church attendance. Why does it matter? I think over the last two years, this is obviously an important issue. Uh, it can be something that we underappreciate, that we just kind of overlook. So why do you think it matters that we talk about church attendance? I think it matters because a lot of people don't think it's important. Okay. I, I mean, we're blessed enough, in, in all honesty, to pastor a church where I would say a majority of our membership uh, thinks it's important. The interesting thing about our context, and I think it's important to keep that in mind as we start this podcast is, yeah, we want this to be for everybody, but we're really doing this for our church specifically, is that uh, we rarely get to form somebody from day one of becoming a Christian to adulthood. Right. One, we just haven't been around long enough, but two, a lot of our people move here look for a church, they've been formed somewhere else. And what we've seen in, a, in large part is that modern evangelicalism has actually made church attendance such a low bar, mm. such a low-lying thing. And, I, and, and really, the, they compounded all that with uh, the whole entire COVID thing and, and all of that just kind of um, pushed all of that to the forefront. I, I think back, um, you know, it's funny as a pastor, as a Christian, think back, on just goofy things you said that you wish you could think back. Yeah. Uh, like top five for me um, in there would definitely be don't go to church, be the church. Sure. Like, I guess I can say that here. I think that's dumb. Sure. Um, it's, I understand what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people to embody all that is the church. Yeah. But I think really that ethos has kind of bled through evangelicalism and Protestantism, particularly in the West, that um, attending and being physically present at a church and, and even defining what does it mean to go to a church means right. something now, right? Yep. Absolutely. I think there's a big tension too, because in evangelicalism, particularly since the seeker sensitive movement, which was a movement in the eighties and nineties, where the idea was let's remove as many things that smell of cultural Christianity crosses names. I remember the church I grew up in, in 1998, they moved into a new building. They were pressed with Baptist church took away the name Baptist because it was seen as an impediment to people coming to church, right? Yeah, I mean, I was a pastor at a Baptist church and tried to do that at my church. <laughs> yeah, you tried leaving. to do that yourself. They said, no, the old people are like, no, you're wrong. And I fought them, and now I'm like, man, those people were so right. Those people were right. Now I'm just like, I just want to be 
Baptist Church Boulder. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What I think what we've done is we've privatized our our sense of church so that, you know, I had a, a dear friends of ours at, a, at the church and uh, some years ago they were like, we need to leave the local church in order to do mission better. And I think they're kind of kind of reductionistic conclusion there was really emblematic of a yeah. lot of teaching that churches do on mission and evangelism. And it's something I've taught, you've taught, we've taught at the well, which is that if you have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody on a Sunday morning, it would be better for you to miss church and go evangelize and share the gospel than to come to church. And I wish I could take those words back. You know, I, I regret that attitude and belief because I think worship together as the church is so important. Um, and I know from a pastor, it can come across as a little biased. Yeah. Right? We're like, well, of course we think it's important. We're the pastor of the church. Yeah. But I really think it's, it's important to spiritual health. Yeah, I think that's, that, that is a good distinction to put out there and, and, and talk about earnestly. Because I think a lot of people can hear two pastors having this conversation and go, well, you just want your church to be big. And, and to that, I would say, well, I wouldn't have planted a church in Boulder if I just wanted my church to be big. <laughs> that's right. Um, I'm sure there are men out there who that's their main desire. Right. And God will judge them appropriately for that. But by and large, most men, especially like you're just sharing about a conversation you had with a pastor today. Um, and they just want to love their people well. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to love people when they're not there. Right. I mean, it'd be like me going to my wife and being like, I just want to love you so much, darling. And I want to be there for you. But uh, I'm just not really going to be around. Right. And her going, that's a really weird way to try to love me. Right. And so, it, you know, it doesn't really, the, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say, like the best way to put it is, um, how we treat the church is not how we treat any other relationship mm. or any other thing that we really care about in life. It, it's, it's not like just a, can I come or go kind of thing. I felt this, I've shared about this from the stage, even on Sundays with my conflict with my kids sports on a Sunday and still saying, no, we're not going to miss church on Sundays despite these things. And, and that's a real tension. I, I get it. Like, cause you want to honor your kids and put them to have fun, but it's like, man, this is so important, and I think that's an important thing to get into is why is it so important? Right. Maybe that's what's missing. Maybe we haven't been educated well. I think our heart is there from a lot of Christians to want to love God. But I don't think our head and our thoughts have been developed enough to understand that, man, we're actually deforming the growth of the heart right? because we haven't thought well about church attendance. Yeah. And I think two things that come to my mind when I think about that are, one, a historical perspective and one just kind of a more human perspective, emotional perspective. One historically is that the very idea that I could be part of a church without being part of a local church yeah. is like, it's insanely new. It's, and that doesn't mean everything new is bad, but if you- Most of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you look back at church history, just no one would have asked that question. If you wanna be part of a local church, you go to a local church. This, and this, that's why you don't see it come up often in, in the writings of the Protestant reformers, or, or, or really a lot of people prior to the 1950s when evangelicalism kind of became a, a movement, a sociological movement in the United States, is it was assumed that to be part of a local church is to go and be and worship with that local church. So that's the more like historical, historically that should rattle us a little yeah. bit and it should make our, our like distaste for like, you should go to church. It should, it should really quiet that and also unsettle us. The second one is the emotional one. I saw a funny meme the other day online and it said, I grew up in the church hearing all these songs that made me feel emotional feelings, right? Yeah. And then I, I went to a Taylor Swift concert later 
And I had the same feeling and I realized I don't need the church to have that feeling. And so I think to me, a lot of people, their, their idea of what it means to be part of a local church is what can I get out of it emotionally and how many chills can I get up my spine? And what I was thinking of today when, when you know, we were thinking about this podcast is, man, it would be better for you to live till you're 80 and never get chills up your spine, never mm. get that emotional feeling. I want that for people. I yeah. just thought that I'm against it. Then to keep hopping around, searching and searching to get that same emotional high when you're a teenager because yep. you were in development and you had all sorts of uh, chemicals going on in your brain and hormones. Talk more about that. <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> maybe another episode. <laughs> but, but I think a lot of us are chasing a high that maybe we've either had in the past or that we can have. And we can, we can cloak our lack of attendance with a sense of like, well, I just want that closeness or proximity with God, when really we want a closeness or proximity with a certain feeling we have about God. Yeah. And we worship that feeling rather than God yeah. himself. Yeah, two, two things on that for me. One funny, one serious. <laughs> you talk about that emotional high kind of thing. Um, I, I guess I should confess to all of our listeners or people watching that like, man, I, like, it's so funny because I, I, like, I long for that emotional high. Sure. Um, I, I really do like. I love it. Like I'm a very, I'm a very emotional guy. If you've been at the well long, you know I'm a crier. I don't, I don't mean to be, but I love the high emotion. And uh, and for me, this is my confession moment. Like, you know, I can get that without the church, and I can get that through Coldplay. Yeah. And I, it shames me to say that. Sure. But I'm, but less because I'm talking about the Rush of Blood to the Head and Parachutes album, which were much better than later albums. <laughs> but like, but like, it's funny to think about in all seriousness, right? Like. That we can get that high right. from something like going to a U2 concert. Mm-hmm. And, and those things are there. Those are good gifts from God. Right. But I think when we distill our understanding of being part of a church down to that, yep. we're really just getting rid of something. Like the, the discipline aspect of it goes away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, 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 you know, or the, the, the just kind of communal or even there's components of being part of a church that, are, that aren't as attractive, like long suffering. Like yeah. being there with a person who's in pain. Um, that'd be a, it's a really hard thing to do, yep. but we're still called to do it. Yep. That's not an emotional high thing, or maybe just dealing with somebody that's kind of goofy that you don't really like, yep. but loving them and being present with them yep. or sitting through a sermon that's not your favorite or a worship song that's not your favorite. Those are all developmental things that I think we're just ready to jettison um, out. The, the second thing is I, I wanted to share this quote. I, I, I put this down in my notes and a guy named Ricky Jones um, sa- said this. I think that's his name. I've, I've had it in my phone forever because I thought it was hilarious, but he, he said this in, in kind of getting at what you're talking about. He said, to imply you can be part of the greater community without first being part of the smaller is not logical. You cannot be part of a Rotary International without also being part of a local chapter. You cannot be part of the universal human family without first being part of a small immediate family. And then he goes on to say, because the argument then comes, well, where does the Bible say I need to be part of the church? Sure. And he answers that by saying, asking where the Bible commands you to be a church member is like asking where the USGA rulebook for golf insists you be a human. The whole book is addressed to the church, right? <laughs> like it, it, it's one of those things where it's like people go like Bible verse, yeah. like give me the verse. And it's like the whole thing. Yeah. And, and that's a hard thing. It's almost assumed. Yeah. And like you said that in church history, it's, it's an assumption right. that's made that we'd be part of this. And I believe it's Hebrews where it says like, don't forsake the gathering of the right. saints. And yep. people have heard that um, and so on and so forth. But it's like, it's just become so easy to just do that. And, and even in here, I was looking, um, Pew put out a poll 
in, uh, I believe it's March, but 32% of religious people um, go to religious services. That includes mosques. Oh, really? Jewish services and so on and so forth. I, I believe I could be wrong, but I, I believe that's what I said. But of the self-described regular attenders, two-thirds, 67% um, report that they actually have attended physically in person in the last month. So, you know, what we're really dealing with is like people, the embodied presence of the church. And so maybe flesh that out. Like, what, what, what does it mean to be physically present? Um, I think that's something we have to dive into here as we talk about this. Yeah. Be, being there with each other. For sure. It comes down to an anthropological question, how people are made and, and what they're designed for. Um, and when God made us, he didn't design us as disembodied things. This gets into, I mean... This is something I'm getting into my dissertation research, so I won't go off on this, but... His book is forthcoming. <laughs> yeah, right, in years. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is, like, we're humans, and you talked about in your sermon last week where you preached on 1 Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians 4, is we're humans designed to be disembodied. Yeah. And a lot of Christians have in their mind that the best way that we can live with God is to not have a body. Yeah. Where right? do we get that from? What do you mean? Where do we get that idea from? Well, we get it from Gnosticism. Yeah. Right? We get this from this false idea that the material world is bad. Mm -hmm. It's an ancient heresy uh, that's been around for a long time and has always been throughout the ages um, and always pops up again. But I think with the internet and, uh, and well, primarily the internet, I mean, it, it's since I remember, I was just talking to my kids about this the other day when, when I wrote my first email in like 1994 with a AOL, <laughs> you know, when we signed on and I showed my kids the sound of the sign on. But what it creates is these faux connections, these synthetic relationships. And when you have online experiences, it can really disconnect you from embodied experiences. Everyone knows that when you're online, your behavior changes in certain ways, right? And when you're in person, you tend to be able to sense the other person more, get their facial expressions, get their tone, all this kind of thing. Well, with online church, especially over the last two years with the pandemic and everything, uh, a lot of people have gotten more comfortable sitting on their living room couch in their pajamas and thinking that's good enough. And everyone knows that's not true. I mean, everyone knows that's not good enough because you would not, like you said at the beginning of the episode, you would not do that with any other primary relationship with your life. Yeah. Right. And, and our hope in the Lord is not that we just have some spiritual disembodied experience with him, but we have a spiritual embodied experience with him yeah. that we will rise from the dead in the end. Yeah. And so our union with Christ is not merely immaterial it's material also. That's the trajectory. That's the, that's the movement of Christianity is towards that relationship with Jesus. And so for us to forsake the gathering, it just flies in the face of what's coming in the end. Yeah. So it's, it's like imagine like carrying out the analogy that we've already kind of started here is us telling our spouses like, I'd really like to have a Zoom marriage with you. Right. You know? And yeah. uh, we can do that, which we can talk maybe for another episode why that would be less than satisfying on multiple levels. Sure. But, um, but it's like, it just wouldn't work, right? right? Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. And man, we, we miss so much. And I think what, what I want to encourage people towards when I think about this, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, particularly the beginning when nobody really knew what was going on. Right. Right. And we weren't together. Um, we weren't connected. Um, man, I hope people had that longing that I had. I, I remember just thinking, I just want to take communion with the body of Christ. Mm. Like I want to be with them and take that. And I was, I was so appalled. We, we, I think we were texting each other like crazy because there was like all these things going around of like how people could like take communion at home with like Skittles yep. and like other things and just replace it. And I'm like, no, right. 
People were like, why not? And I was like, I think that that really got to our lack of understanding of what the embodied gathering is supposed to be. Yep. Right? Like things like communion, a very simple historic thing that has been done a certain way for a long time. And people go, well, it's just because it's been done along the same way for a long time doesn't mean it's good. I'm like, no, this is one of the good things. And right. that's what like Lewis refers to as like that chronological snobbery. Yes. Right. Where because it's uh, because it's old, it must be bad. Right. We can't do that. There, there are things. Uh, why would you say things like if you think of like the ordinances or the sacraments? Well, why, why does being together and coming to church matter for you to participate in those things? Yeah, I think, I mean, just broadening the, the question for a second is that yeah. this gets into the question of spiritual disciplines, like you mentioned earlier, and creating a discipline and a rule of life, so to speak, where you're going to make this a priority. And what a lot of Christians try to do is they're always interested in the next kind of innovative spiritual discipline, whether it's a Francis Chan book or Jesus Calling. So hot right now. Or something anathema like that. <laughs> and so, you know, what Christians are, what typically modern Christians are into is what's new. You know, what's the next book, podcast, song, whatever. And I, it's not that we, what's old is best, but there's a reason that God works through time and has worked through tradition. Mm -hmm. And there should be a priority placed on those things. In church participation through the Lord's day in worship with the local body is a key spiritual discipline. So then you, you drill down on that question with, well, what does that entail, mm -hmm. right? And I remember asking this question when we were meeting in my apartment, like, and we were planting the well, it's like, what is a church? What does a church do? And I, maybe it was because I was raised in the church. I knew a few things. One, we sing songs together. Colossians talks about that. We, we uh, teach the Bible. And then we take communion and there's an offering, you know? And so we did those very early on at the well. In fact, the first, in January 23rd, uh, 2011, we did that. That was our first gathering in the apartment. And I think communion, that embodied experience, whatever, uh, you know, there's a lot of Protestant debate about what that symbolizes or represents, whether it's a means of grace, whether it's just a symbol, a memorial, whether there's, you know, some kind of Lutheran idea, definitely not Catholic, but yeah, not. <laughs> definitely not because what the Catholics believe is that the body uh, and blood of Jesus are actually present uh, yeah. physically. Super creepy. And that's what you grew up in, right? I did. And my daughter's at a Catholic school that's right now. Right, we have is. lots of conversations about that. I'm like, <laughs> you're not eating his physical body. Right. And she's like, okay, noted. Now I will not, no, this yeah, is not to sh give know, compliments know, to know, it, There's, but it, there is something to where it's like, oh, they're trying to get at something. Yeah. Right, to where we don't reduce Christianity to some immaterial experience. It's a real experience where we're eating food, drinking. Like these are basic embodied realities that we need as humans. It's nourishment for your soul. And you can't reduce your spiritual nourishment to listening to a Matt Chandler sermon in the car and listening to the latest Hillsong album. That's not what Christianity is about. Like you kind of I really hope not. <laughs> yeah. I'm in a lot of trouble, man. <laughs> you coming to church and taking a communion and worshiping with the saints and singing even when you don't feel like it and raising your hands yeah. even when you don't feel like it and paying attention Easy. to the sermon even when Matt's <laughs> sermons aren't A game. They're, they're always A. <laughs> That's going to be better for you long term. It's going to produce a family of people and you individually are going to be more satisfied in the Lord. It's going to produce a discipline of life. That's just better over time. Yeah. You know, when I think about it, you know, I, I, my brain tends to go more pragmatic, right? And it's one of those things where I go, you've got to prioritize it. Yeah. If it sneaks up on you, if you allow all the things of life, 
I mean, we're all so busy. And it's like, it's funny that the most important things in life tend to be the things that are easiest to cut out. Mm. It'd be easy for me to cut out praying with my kids at night before bed. Sure. It'd be easy for me to not try to date my wife well. I'm not going to get into all like, just to do a date every week sure. kind of things. I don't, <laughs> I don't do that, but uh, I'd love to. Um, if giving increases at the well yeah, right. someday. <laughs> we can well. find a good babysitter. <laughs> yeah, find a kid. Well, I've got, I've got a middle schooler now, so check there you that go. box. You got one in the house. Right? Yeah, um, but, uh, but you know what I mean? Like the, those, like the, the, I, I think that's the game of the enemy at times. Not to hyper-spiritualize it, but, sure. but I think that is a component of it. It is. Is the reality that maybe the most spiritually beneficial things for us oftentimes are the easiest things to cut out. Right. And man, I can't think of anything easier than being like, okay, church, my church right now doesn't have a building, the well. Right. Meets at a bar. It's kid space is functional. Um, you know, maybe I'll keep my kid in the service with me. The temperature in the room is probably not going to be perfect. Right. Um, it's in a bar. There's going to be flies. We always joke about that. Right. You know, let's just stay home. Sure. Like that's a really easy decision to make. Right. And I think the reason it saddens me is I'm like, man, like I, I had my sabbatical this summer and so did you for, there were short ones, but I was just dying. Like, I was like, man, I just want to be back with, with, with the church that I belong to, that I'm part of. And, and well, I guess maybe, maybe a question for you would be, what do you think it is in there that um, people are missing where they have that kind of zeal, that oomph to go, man, I really want to be part of this. Yeah, I think it's just, for me, it's a vision for life. It's a vision for where you want your kids to end up and where you want your family to end up, especially mm. for husbands, where you, where you want to lead your wife. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's really a heart check, a motivation check to go, you're willing to drive, you know, do a 30-minute commute one way every day to make $100,000 in Boulder County. You spend an hour yeah. on the road every day to make $100,000, and you can't spend an hour on the road on Sunday to worship the Lord who gave you that money in the first place. Yeah. That just really saddens me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about the well, it's about any gospel preaching church in, in, in Boulder, uh, whether it's Calvary or Cornerstone or whatever it may be, it's about worshiping the Lord and honoring him with your time. And so setting a rule of life and God didn't establish patterns and rhythms flippantly. Like we don't have seasons because it was like, well, that'd be neat. You yeah. know, like yeah. he, he made an order for a week in the, it's a created order from Genesis that there would be a day a week set aside. Yeah. And so however you take that, whether you're a Sabbatarian or whether you like, you're super hardcore like Chick-fil-A on it, you know, mm. um, there, there's a rhythm that God is inviting you to rest in rather than fabricating these, whether it's experiences or, or new things that you need to try, it would be better to be disciplined, especially speaking of men. I mean, it would be better, you're gonna be a better man if you are disciplined in this way, it's gonna produce more long-term fruit rather than these quick hits of like uh, spirituality or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah, well, when I think about it, it's just one of those things where I go, man, it just saddens me because I go, people don't know what they're missing out on. Right. And the people that I think that I know that have grown and flourished in their faith the most are the people that have stayed, the people that have committed, um, the people that have served and um, just been a blessing to their local church in those ways, but also just been present. And it, it's one of those things like, you know, maybe letting people in a little bit on kind of like behind the curtains, 
pastor talk is it's kind of hard when you like I just don't feel connected. I'm like, well, you're not here. Right. Yeah. You have to be present to be connected. Right. And yeah, I, I of course you and I, we have to be here. Yep. It's our job. <laughs> sure. But I, I, I do believe I would be here regardless. Yeah. And I'd be at our church regardless. Right. Uh, like there's nowhere else I'd rather be. And I really mean that. I, I wouldn't do it if um, that wasn't the case. Right.